podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another edition of Let's Talk Chelsea. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe. It is Friday, the 6th of January, 2023. We are almost at the end of the first week of this year and it has been a busy, eventful, uh, slightly frustrating one from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, But we have a lot of news to get through today. Transfer stuff, twists and turns, looking ahead to the weekend, Graham Potter's future, all of that stuff will be covered. But we will start, I think, on the appropriate note today, remembering the life and career of a Chelsea legend in Gianluca Vialli, who sadly passed away uh, this morning, or at least that was when the news was broke to the world. And and obviously people have been reflecting and, and, you know, a sad day, I I really think it is. But we will reflect on his achievements and and his legacy that he left, not only at Stamford Bridge, which is very special to Chelsea supporters, but just in the world of football and what he meant to so many people. Before we do get into that, I want to ask you guys, if you're new around here, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell if you want more Chelsea content, cover the matches on here, cover the latest news as you're seeing today and uh, get some good guests on. And I just want to shout out quickly uh, my Baddy Ashile special. He's obviously been confirmed as a Chelsea player now. Uh, we spend about 20 minutes with Timothy Pignon, French journalist, speaking about the player. So definitely go and check that out. You can also find that content, all of the content on Son of Chelsea on my YouTube channel on my podcast feed uh, because Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. So thank you as well if you're tuning in. As I said, we'll get to the news. There's a lot to get through, but we will start off with Gianluca Vialli. The news came out this morning that uh, he has sadly passed away at the age of 58. He was diagnosed with cancer in 2017, but said in April of 2020 that he had been given the all clear. This is coming from BBC News. Vialli was re-diagnosed in 2021 and in December of 2022, left the role of Italy's national team to focus on his health. Gabriele Gravina, who is the Italian Football Federation president, said this morning, Gianluca was a splendid person and he leaves a void that cannot be filled. I hoped until the end that he'd be able to perform another miracle, yet I am comforted by the certainty that what he did for Italian football and the blue shirt will never be forgotten. And then, of course, the tributes from a Chelsea perspective. Board member Daniel Finkelstein and lifelong Chelsea supporter said, what a loss for football and the Chelsea community. A man we loved and who represented a turning point in our history, ushering in the modern era. He will long be remembered by us all. Adam Newsom, my good friend and chief Chelsea writer at Football London. Gianluca Vialli was hugely influential in shaping the Chelsea you know today. And the 1998-99 season he oversaw remains one of my favourites. I never had the chance to meet him. Plenty of people I know did. They all speak so warmly of a very generous, a kind man. Then we got an official statement from co-owners Todd Bowley and Bayadik Barley on the Chelsea website. This is what they had to say. This is truly an awful day for Chelsea Football Club. Gianluca's legend will live on at Stamford Bridge. His impact as a player, a coach and most importantly as a person will be forever written across our club's history. We send our heartfelt and deepest condolences to his family and friends. Gianluca Vialli won every major European club competition possible 
during his playing career. He won the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup twice. He won the UEFA Champions League once and he won the UEFA Cup once as well. And he won the UEFA Super Cup as a Chelsea manager. Jose Mourinho is the only manager in the history of Chelsea's men's team to win more trophies in charge of the club than Gianluca Vialli. I do want to play this very special clip that people have been sharing today of Vialli speaking about his connection to Chelsea fans. I think it is appropriate and a very lovely message. Finished my contract with Juventus. I could have stayed uh, in Italy and played for another club, but I just wanted to change. And I wanted to try um, English football. Really wanted to be here and be part of this wonderful atmosphere. I've been quite lucky in my, in, during my career because I played only for four clubs and every time I managed to fall in love with the Chelsea fans. I had a fantastic relationship. We fell in love with each other and then they were very supportive when I was sitting on the bench um, most of the time. They never stopped encouraging me and when I became a manager then uh, <laughs> the love and the passion went on. I think Chelsea fans were amazing every time we were playing away from home. I remember once we went to the Old Trafford and we beat them 2-1 and I happened to score you know, sort of very close to where fans were uh, sitting and so I ran towards them and they became even more, <laughs> even louder and it was a wonderful uh, feeling. I mean Italian fans are all about results, English fans are more about effort. They really want to see their players uh, and the team to try you know, very hard to get results. But if you do your best, if you really <laughs> sort of uh, sweat uh, in the shirt, I think at the end of the match, whether you win or you lose, they will clap you and they will support you and they will just encourage you and, and, and tell you that the next game will be a better one. You feel like you want to really try hard for your fans because your fans are loyal and your fans, uh, they understand you. Um, you're basically an extension of the fans on the pitch. You're one of them wearing uh, the, the, the shirt of the team you're playing for. Sportmanship for me is all about playing by the rules. Taking part uh, is the most important thing, but the essence, I think, is about um, giving your best shot. I was too young to watch Viali live, but in the early years, when I started to fall in love with Chelsea and, and football, that I remember watching tapes around my granddad's of old Chelsea tapes and, and season reviews, videos. Um, maybe some people would. I, I'm still of a generation that watched videos. So I, I watched the videos of obviously Viali and his impact to Chelsea and just hearing the tales and also seeing the tributes today from not only people from my family who of course loved Gianluca and, and, and some of those a bit younger who obviously grew up watching him as well. Um, this is a special figure in Chelsea's history and a special figure in, in football history as well. I felt Graham Souness's tribute on Sky Sports this morning was was touching and it reflects, you know, not only the talent he produced and what he produced in the game, but a wonderful human being. And, and that was always reflected even from a distance. And as I say, I, I just, I hope that there are more tributes from a Chelsea perspective. Uh, hopefully we can, you know, get something special done in, in the upcoming games at Stamford Bridge. Uh, because this is this is one of those names I I speak a lot about, and I know it may sound a little bit cringy, but you know the Mount Rushmore of Chelsea and and faces, and I think Viali is one of those names, or at least is is one of those names that I think comes up in that conversation a lot, and and there is a reason for that, a very real reason, and and you see the legacy he has left, you see all the kind messages, the people who watched him you know as a supporter or played alongside him, and and it just shows how much he meant to people, and I thought it was wonderful that he got that moment with his friend Roberto Mancini 
at Wembley winning the Euros for Italy um, what a, an amazing way to end um, his career and, and sadly it couldn't go on but um, rest in peace to Gianluca what a cherished and wonderful person and, and I just wish as, as Todd Bowley and Beda Adebali said all the condolences to his friends and family and a sad day for Chelsea But we will get into some news now. Uh, Matt Law in the Telegraph reporting today that Chelsea are to keep faith in Graham Potter plan with youngsters in contention to face Man City. Uh, Potter is apparently prepared to give Chelsea's youngsters more opportunities to shine uh, whilst he waits for his senior players to get fit with the likes of Lewis Hall and Carnage Okameka pushing to start Sunday's FA Cup third round tie against Man City. So we had the injuries last night to Raheem Sterling and Christian Pulisic. We saw the impact that Carnage Okameka made off the bench. Uh, we saw Lewis Hall once again impress. Amari Hutchinson getting his, his competitive debut for Chelsea and there could be a start there on Sunday for him at the Etihad. I think that for me, and, and I tweeted this, but I'll just you know explain it a little bit more now. Reflecting a bit more on last night's game, I was probably quite downbeat as you'd expect. Uh, another defeat from Chelsea. If you haven't checked out my review, go and do it. But I think for for me and, and looking at Chelsea's transfer policy of buying these young players and also developing the ones we already have in our academy, I think people were infused last night by seeing those young players get those opportunities. And I think for Graham Potter specifically, if he could harness some of that, and I always, I've referred back a few times to Frank Lampard, what he did in that 1920 season and, and getting the backing from supporters. I think if Chelsea fully commit to this vision, in the sense that we see a team full of younger players and you're bringing in them in the transfer window too. I think people can get behind that process, whatever it is. If you want to call it a process, if you want to call it something else. I think what people have lost patience with or, or kind of find confusing is when you see a team filled with 30-year-olds or, or players who clearly well, either don't want to be here or probably won't be here in two years' time. And I understand that frustration. So for me... I think Potter's got to really latch on to that and hopefully those players will improve Chelsea as we've seen already this season. Their performances are really encouraging and hopefully we will see that with the injury list on Sunday in the FA Cup because I think it's a great opportunity. We're going to move on to Enzo Fernandez now because there's been many twists and turns since I last made a video about Enzo Fernandez. Once again, Matt Law tweeting here uh, that my understanding is Chelsea did not offer to pay the release clause in Enzo Fernandez's contract and currently have no intention of doing so, regardless of what Benfica want or claim. Still a long way to go in the January transfer window. So, in the case of Enzo Fernandez, uh, since I last made a video, there were reports late, I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday night, of Chelsea apparently or a deal collapsing effectively there are reports coming out that Chelsea had offered to pay the release clause we had the clip of uh, the Benfica head coach coming out and kind of having a go at Chelsea in public now apparently well at least to Matt Law who I trust a lot that isn't the case and there still is a long way to go the curious thing for me is that tonight Enzo Fernandez will not be Involved against Portimonense, a club that Chelsea actually, I think, bid for as one of the multi-clubs. But on another point, Enzo won't even make the bench after the last few days, which it's one of those things where if it may just be a punishment for the player, but it makes me think that there is still something going on. And it was a bit like the Wesley Fofana situation back in the summer. And we've seen this so many times in transfer sagas. When that happens, it usually... It's a matter of when and not if. I may still be proven wrong. And listen, this may drag on and on and nothing happens in the end. And Chelsea have to look elsewhere. 
But I think there were so many conflicting reports coming out in the last few days and, and people were very much jumping to conclusions on social media. What a shock over over this and kind of taking sides of which Chelsea in the wrong, which Chelsea not in the wrong. I just want to wait to see how this plays out. Um, and, and, you know, Enzo Fernandez not playing tonight is... It's just something to watch and see how it develops. And it may not be as dead as some have reported, as, as Matt Loris pointed out as well. But it's it's an important deal. And I think Chelsea have to, in my opinion, I think they have to pay up. I think they have to try whatever it is to get this done. Because midfield, as we keep on saying, despite some shoots of hope with Chukameka and, and Zakaria, still need to get new midfielders in and hopefully they can get it done. We're going to speak about another player here that we, we did touch on the other day and that's Mikhailo Mudrik. Another report from the Telegraph that Arsenal will not enter into a bidding war with Chelsea for Mikhailo Mudrik from Shakhtar Donetsk. Apparently Arsenal are pushing hard for the player having had two bids rejected by Shakhtar in recent days but now face strong competition from Chelsea. Does reference here the injuries to Sterling and Pulisic uh, apparently impacting and maybe accelerating Chelsea's move for Mudrick. And there is a feeling within Stamford Bridge that they will be able to outbid Arsenal. Co-owners Todd Bowley and Benedict Barley, however, will want to receive assurances from Mudrick uh, that he is willing to join Chelsea instead of Arsenal before making any formal offers. I think it references very smartly here that, you know, trying to avoid a repeat of the situation involving Rafinha back in the summer where Chelsea agreed a fee with Leeds for Rafinha only for him to join Barcelona because that's always what he wanted. Apparently, Arsenal's first bid for Mudrick was was around £55 including add-ons and they have since indicated willingness to offer more for the winger. The injuries to wide players is is massive. It's a massive problem. Uh, We don't know the diagnosis yet for... Um, Sterling and, and Pulisic. I mean, Sterling looked like a hamstring. Uh, that could be anywhere up to a month. And there's still quite a few games in this month for Chelsea to play. Um, but there are options for Chelsea to use in that area. Young options like Amari Hutchinson. I think a lot of people would be very intrigued to see get more minutes. But, you know, Mudrik is an attacking option. And, you know, I think it may sound like a, a flimsy term, but it's an active situation, right? We'll, we'll see if Chelsea go in for him and, and, and feel that this is an area that is is of seriousness. I mean, I, I still think, and, and people will bring this up as well, still think there are other areas in this in this squad that I think need more attention. I really do. I, I still think that a right back is something that I'd be paying that sort of money for this month. If you were going to pay £55 million for a wide player, um, I would be looking to spend that money maybe at right back that's just my personal opinion you may disagree the final thing is just a, a small story here from the athletic that jude sunset bell the youngster is to leave chelsea this month the athletic reported in november that the highly rated forward who turns 19 next week was considering his future at chelsea and this was likely going to be his last season at stanford bridge though sunset bell's current deal expires in the summer but talks over an extension stalled last january when he began to consider his future the teenager has now decided to bring forward his departure sunset bell is a player that i know was was of excitement I want to say in the 2020-21 season I remember he was scoring quite a few goals that year and there was a hope that he could at least make the jump up maybe to the first team or or at least go on loan you know kind of start to do that path that we saw say Tammy Abraham I know it's a lazy example but you know in terms of a striker just kind of that pathway that we, we've seen so consistently that hasn't really happened he has scored a couple of important goals since but he hasn't really 
kicked on and I think in the way people expected him to he did of course get that appearance I believe it was against Brentford in the League Cup last season under Thomas Tuchel when there was a massive injury crisis like there is now um, and that maybe could have been a turning point for him but uh, it hasn't proved to be and, and we'll see where he goes I, you know I wish him the best and uh, there quite quite clearly was a talent there it's just you know, some of these players, we, we get excited about them in, in the academy. That academy is so competitive at Cobham, it really is. And the cream rise to the top, right? And and even if some of those players show good signs early on, uh, we know in football there are many different variables as to why a player can make the jump up, maybe still in their development, maybe need to go to a different environment to succeed. And that clearly seems to be the case for Sunset Bell, and we'll see where he ends up. But that is it for today's edition of Let's Talk Chelsea. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to tune in. If you did enjoy it, hit that subscribe button on YouTube and the notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads. Follow me on Twitter at Sonna Chelsea, and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.